Welcome back, literary slummers, to another episode of Shelf Aware, the podcast where we read books outside of our comfort zone. I'm Em. And I'm Anna. This week on Shelf Aware, we are starting a brand new unit. This is one that Em has brought to the table. And <laughs> it's a bad one, you guys. This isn't just a unit for Em. I think this is a unit for the human population. The world. Yeah, nobody likes this. Uh, and of course, I'm talking about the books in which the animal dies so that the human can learn a valuable life lesson. It's bullshit. But um, <laughs> so besides the obvious, animals dying sucks. What is it in particular about this trope or this this book, I guess, maybe because you well, you watched the movie and you said you hated the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. So first off, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have an issue with animals dying in books. Mm-hmm. I feel like I kind of do, but it it's not automatically off-putting to me. Because, of course, like, animals dying in any circumstance is sad, yes. right? Like, there's not really a book I can think of where it's like, oh, good, the dog died, right? Well, maybe Cujo. I haven't read that one, but I feel like... <laughs> I feel like that that that's a bad dog. <laughs> <laughs> but I specifically have an issue with the use of animal death as like, an object lesson for the character because mm. I don't empathize with that, okay? <laughs> so, like, that sounds psychotic, but, like, <laughs> what I mean is, like, a lot of times in these books, and I'm sure everybody can think of, like, there's a ton of dog books where this happens, where the dog dies and it's, like, a sign for the young child to grow up and the book that we read definitely fits into that. But, like, I don't get that because (laughs) when I was a kid, like, we had animals all the time. And I think our first dog died when I was really young. Mm -hmm. So, like, to me, the moment of, like, animal death as, like, coming to terms with mortality doesn't work. Because it's, like, I I understood that animals died from a pretty young age. Mm -hmm. So it... Like, it's sad. Like, it's sad when that happens in a book because it's sad for the animal. I don't feel sad for the kid because I don't empathize with that, like, moment of, like, loss of innocence because that's just not what my experience with, like, death has been. I can can get that. Well, I feel like a lot of these books, too, like, romanticize it, like... Yes. You have to have a pet die before you can grow up. or You know, like you have to experience yeah, yeah, this yeah. tragic loss in your life before you are a man or a woman or whatever. There's also a lot of just like, and this is getting a little bit like Earth Mother Cassie about it. but like, <laughs> How dare you? I don't want that energy. <laughs> <laughs> but there's also just a lot of um, like centralizing human suffering with it, mm-hmm. right? Like it's like... Oh, isn't it so sad for the boy that this animal died? And and that's the other thing about these books is it's so often a boy, right? It's very yeah. similar to the to the uh the Robinsonade in that manner where it's like men have to have a small animal die so that they be, can become real men. Yes. And it's so like a boy and his dog. Right. And it like takes out the, like, inherent worth of the animal's life for the animal, right? Like, mm. it, it's making the animal's death all about the dude. And it it's just, like, it never resonates with me. Yeah. And I like sad books. Like, I really enjoy sad books. 
But I just don't like this type of coming of age story centering around animal death books because it just does not, it doesn't hit me. I think that's fair. I agree. I There is something about this genre as a whole that is very just like we had one can we just can we just have had the one book about it mm-hmm. and that have been the one yeah. that all people read to be like oh isn't it sad when an animal dies right and it, that's <laughs> the thing it's it's i again i'm i'm fine with like animal death in general being in books mm. but it's it's the becoming a man aspect of it the, right the becoming a becoming an adult because yeah. i'm sure this happens with i don't i can't think of any off the top of my I head but i'm sure this happens with like girls too, that there's probably like a dead horse book or something. Oh god. Um. <laughs> oh man. Specifically, one of my first uh, introductions to this genre was not this book, but one of the movies based off of it. And I I looked and there was a movie in the 40s, and I don't think it was that one. I think it was the made-for-TV version that was like in the 90s, because that seems to track with like the age I would have been when I watched this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the book that we read, which is The Yearling by fuck, I forgot Marjorie Kinnan Rawlings, I think. Rowlings, Marjorie Kinnan Rawlings. Rawlings. Um, yeah, she's dead. She can complain later, I guess. Uh. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was made into a TV movie, which I watched as a kid. And it, it, just like all of the stuff that I already said, probably not like I didn't feel this way quite so eloquently, I guess. Like I wasn't like, oh, the suffering of animals commercialized for human growth is disgusting and bourgeoisie like that wasn't like my reaction as a seven-year-old or uh, whatever but like, i like to imagine it, just, it was <laughs> it might have been um, i've always been pretty insufferable uh, yeah i definitely remember really disliking the movie and being like this was stupid and i hate this little kid because it's just the whole thing. It just makes it all about him. And it's like, ugh, I don't know. I just, I can't. I can't with the, that, it, it's very similar, I think, to like how I feel about a lot of, this is going to be such a leap and I'm sorry, no, but a lot it. of like books that are about siblings of queer people, right? Like mm. this was like a hot thing in YA like a couple years ago, right? Like it would be straight people writing about straight characters who have a sibling who's queer and how tough that is for them. And it's like kind of like not a sibling, but like the Hamlet, saving Hamlet, right? Yes, like, yeah. Where it's like stop using the pain of other people or other creatures in this case for your own personal growth. Mm-hmm. Like that's gross. I don't know. Yes. Well, and there's just so much. This this book in particular, there's just so the things that the the main character internalizes, I guess, and just mm-hmm. very much a product of its time. As I said, I hadn't read this book until we read it for mm-hmm. the the show. Are you sad and now that you had to read it? I am very okay. So, like pluses and minuses. I think that the author is often quite amusing with their dialogue. I enjoyed a lot of the dialogue. Actually, I oh, thought it I was like understand half of it because it's all written phonetically. <laughs> Oh, see, I I like that. Like, that's like, so much. Em. <laughs> I know, um, but I like the dialogue, uh, and I thought in general she seems like she's a good writer, which makes sense because she won a Pulitzer for this. So a lot of people thought she was. a yeah, good Yeah, this writer. was like the best-selling American novel for a yeah, while. People were all about the year, like which nothing happens in it, so I don't know why. 
on the negatives. How, Nothing happens how in this boring book. was 1938 that this was like was the so best boring. book they'd ever read that year? You know what this reminded me a lot of? A Little House in the Big Woods. Oh man, absolutely. It's coming. He's lurking in the woods. <laughs> um, except with like a weird undercurrent of like internalized misogyny. Oh and my god, yes. Yeah, we talk right? About, well, when we get to that part, I guess. We will. And also, I do want to go ahead and put it out here. It wasn't, it was a lot like when I went into Robinson Crusoe, where I was like, I'm expecting this to be racist. Mm. And Robinson Crusoe blew my expectations out of the water. It was like a whole heck of a lot more racist than I thought it was going to be. This one was the appropriate, that's terrible, but the predicted amount of racism that I thought for a book in the 30s, where they're just casually throwing out slurs, you know? Yes, yes. And I, it was, I think to me, more classist than racist yeah 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 i could see that mm-hmm. um but i don't really know anything about the author's financial situation or background i didn't look into it at all i was not interested i looked into <laughs> it a little bit and the thing that stood out to me the most about her and her like life mm-hmm. um was that she only ever wanted to write for boys and refused to like do readings for girls why does why does this woman hate women so much (laughs) she just really hates women why do she also like there was a a wikipedia so you know this might not be entirely accurate but there's like a wikipedia quote or something where it was like ghosts of her rivals are editing it actually (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) she's like it was like she was more progressive than a lot of her southern neighbors in uh regards to race but she also didn't think black people were, like, as good as white people. So it's like, okay, so she well. she was still garbage. So she was still bad. <laughs> I, I don't, the only thing I know about this author, um, I looked at a picture of her and I was like, the picture, I, like her author picture on Goodreads or something, I was like, wow, that looks like when a white person would play an Asian person in a movie. It's <laughs> very weirdly specific. Oh, all right. Well, who would you recommend this book to if you had to recommend it to someone? Oh, man. I guess I would recommend it to... Um, I'm not going to steal the cop-out answer about historical significance. I would maybe... <laughs> you mean my usual answer? <laughs> someone who really enjoys uh, the types of books that are about survival surviving against the odds or surviving like making a life for yourself um where there was no civilization before you know like that kind of just like Mm. farming quiet country life um if you don't mind hunting if you don't mind uh there being a lot of like i don't it wasn't really like gore but just like a lot of I don't know. Dead animal, animals. Animal death and child death. <laughs> a lot of just like casual death in this book. Um, then maybe this is a book for you. It's very quiet and very slow though. So, mm-hmm. you know, how about you? Um, I think I would agree. I would recommend this to like, kind of like we said, people who like the Little House series as a kid, mm-hmm. you might like this mm-hmm. as a slightly older kid. Um, Cause I think this is technically like, written with a child audience in mind right like it was predated YA but like it would have been YA right yes yeah mm-hmm. I would also recommend if you are going to read it 
to not read it in the manner that I usually read books for this podcast, which is to say all in one sitting. <laughs> um, I think it would be it was brutal, it would you guys. yeah it would better serve you if you uh, pace it out over like the course of a week or something, you know, where you're not just. God, we're going to talk about hunting again. Okay, here we go. Let's do it. Yeah, like maybe one chapter a month, which is kind of how the book, like the the time period, I guess, of the book. All right, well, let's talk about what happened in this book, if anything happened in this book. Yeah, Uh, a lot of it, like, like our Little House in the Big Woods episode, a lot of this was just like simply a list of chores and very mundane Mm -hmm. occurrences that happened throughout one year of Jody's life. The main character's name is Jody. Um, but there are some events that are that we can talk about, I guess. Some so, highlights. Huh? Some best of. Yeah, yeah, the highlights real. <laughs> um Jody, he's our main character. He's like a twelve ish year old boy. And I think they live near St. Augustine, Florida, on an island with his mom and dad, uh, Penny and Mom. I Ori, is that where Ori? O R Y. Yeah, Ori. Um, and it's like the 1800s, like pretty close to the after the end of the Civil War. Um, I thought it was early 1900s. Let's see. This says the 1870s is when it took place. Oh, really? Yeah. I totally thought this was supposed to be like 1910. Uh, mm, no. <laughs> well. Because that was the thing I was actually really confused about because I was like, okay, I get why someone now might want to read this for like uh, kind of cultural tourism reasons of being like, oh, look at these, the weird ways that people lived back in the bygone days. But like, I couldn't imagine why people at the time would want to read it. But I guess (laughs) then it was technically a historical novel, right? Because this was written written in the early 1900s, right? Okay. So yeah. So I guess, so so I guess maybe that's the appeal. But that also kind of, like, diminishes it from my perspective of someone reading it now. Because I'm like, well, I don't know if she's correct about this stuff. (laughs) I guess that's true. (laughs) Like, I thought it was all very authentic because she was writing at the time that she was writing it. But maybe not. Like, maybe she's just making shit up. Uh, I would would also like to offer, I know, as always, I'm getting a lot of shit in at the top. That's fine. That gives us uh, stuff to talk about later. (laughs) I would also like to offer an apology to all of the um, cyber, cyberpunk. Is that, is that the genre? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's one of them we've done. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. To all of the cyberpunk writers who I dissed for just making up terms that just to make it sound cool because i feel like that's what she did in this book but like with actual things but like not like what okay let me just read this okay go for it let me just read a selection from this book uh his mother had cooked a supper good enough for the preacher there were poke greens with bits of white bacon buried in them sand buggers made of potato and onion and the cooter he had found crawling yesterday (laughs) sour orange (laughs) sour orange biscuits and at his mother's elbow the sweet potato pone like i know what maybe 12 of those words were (laughs) (laughs) and i mean like i know they're all real things like because i did look up some of them yeah i was using that kindle highlight quite a bit (laughs) (laughs) but like 
it it was the same sort of vibe as Cyberpunk. Yeah, it's like, like you're just in there, like just go with You're it. just throwing in terms to make us confused to give it a sense of place. But I mean, I guess that's like actually legitimate if if you know she's doing it with like real things that actually existed. Yeah, you know? yeah. So I guess I can't hate on Cyberpunk for that anymore. I mean, you came for other reasons. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I still hate Cyberpunk. <laughs> Dirty eyeball computers. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, Jody and his dad Penny are—they have a pretty good close relationship. But like, his mom is kind of vilified in this book a lot, and it's very sad. Hashtag Ma did nothing wrong. Yeah, I am team Ma I am in this too, book, hundred percent. I'm so over the way she gets treated. Like, it's first of all, she's fat, and they talk about it all the goddamn time. Yes, she's like the opposite of Ma from Little House on the Prairie. Or Little House in the Big Woods, where it's like, number one, she's super not cool and can't hang. And number two, <laughs> Pa definitely can't fit his hands around her waist. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, see, both of these poor women. But, and Ma, I, her, her thing is that she and Penny have suffered a series of miscarriages and stillbirths and infant death. And Jody is the only child that has survived out of, like, six or seven. So Ma is, like, very distant and doesn't... I guess she, like, maybe just didn't want to connect with Jody ever because she felt like he would die. Um, But, like, Jody is, like... I don't know. Very... He just doesn't... Jody doesn't give a shit about yeah, her. Yeah, he's just Jody like, does wow, not care about her at all. Mom doesn't love me. She's a bitch. Like... <laughs> The, yes. And the other thing is, like, she behaves in ways. Okay. So, like, Penny, the father, brought them out to this island so that he could, like, live in solitude because he likes solitude. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, like, it made their life so much harder they don't than even it needed have water. to be. They have to go they don't have like, water. fetch water every day from somewhere else. And I've, I'm not sure if the book was doing this intentionally, if, like, the reader was supposed to pick up on how shit Penny is. Mm. But, like,. He's like, at one point with the water thing, he's like, oh, yeah, I kept thinking about how I should uh, build a well, and I just never got around to it. My it's like, My bad. And then, like, the only people on this patch of land are the family, and they have to do all the work to create mm-hmm. food for the family. And, like, Jody is constantly fucking off, which, like, fair, he's 12, but but also, like, he is 12 in the late 1800s you would definitely be doing farm work at that point Mm -hmm. 100 percent. so it's not unreasonable for ma to think that he should be pulling his weight a little bit more than he is and yes fucking penny just lets him do whatever the fuck he wants and ma has to do like all of the it's just classic it's just classic she has to do all of the extra work because Mm -hmm. they are off hunting and playing with the deer and whatever and it's just it's constantly like Women just don't understand how men have to ramble. Yes. Or, and women just don't get it. We were having a man conversation and she was trying to butt in with her domesticity. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and it's <laughs> and it's like, she's the bad guy for even bringing up, like, the logistical issues that they are facing. Yes. Like, spoiler, the fucking deer that is the title character in this book, although maybe not because maybe it's referring to the kid, oh, but whatever. Oh, you? Oh, um, <laughs> Frankenstein's monster, who cares? Uh, <laughs> but, like, the, fr- the fucking deer doesn't show up till halfway through the book, 
But when it does, Ma is like, this is stupid. We do not need a pet deer. We don't need a wild that, animal that we're We don't take. need a wild animal to bring into this homestead where we are struggling to feed ourselves. And everybody else is like, you just don't understand the deep love. A man of has deer. to have a pet. A man has to have a deer specifically. <laughs> and the other thing, too, is like, they are very poor and they are struggling to get by. And for some reason, like, nobody has expressed this to Jody at all. Even characters outside of the family are like, wow, you guys are poor. And he's like, no, we're not. And the reader's like, yes, you fucking are. Your deer just ate all of your crops for the whole year. Like, what the fuck, dude? I I am realizing that I just must not have a very good understanding of, like, child development. Because mm. I cannot figure out in any of these books, like, what ages the characters are supposed to be until they tell mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is on me. But in this book, too, I was just like, is Jody 12 or is he six? Because he is acting like... He's acting like he, a much younger child. Yes. He's acting like he it does not understand the realities of, like, you have to eat food in order to live. Like, <laughs> like I don't... How did, how I mean, did you not teach your child that, Penny? I'm not saying I expect him to be able to, like, explain complex economics or something, but, like, understanding that if the deer <laughs> eats the corn, your family can't eat the corn would be, like, And it's like, he doesn't thing. even realize this till the end of the book when he's practically starving to death. And he's like, oh, this is what it's like to be hungry. Hunger's bad. Like, yes, Jody. You, you goddamn moron. You go home. You idiot. <laughs> and and his father just enables him, and it's so frustrating, but it's very clearly that like the their relationship is so pure and lovely and wholesome, and like, oh man, mom's just a bitch. And I'm like, mom is the only one who is, mom is being sensible about any of this. She got dragged to this fucking swamp island <laughs> to live amongst the bears and crocodiles. And has to put up with this shit and had to watch all of her children die. Probably, I don't think it says this explicitly, but I'm guessing malnutrition probably played a role in those children's deaths. Like, just a theory. Penny's like, maybe it's just because I'm so scrawny. Like, well, you're scrawny. You know, you've said earlier in the book you're scrawny because you didn't have food to eat growing up. So, like, connect the dots. Connect the dots, guys. Go move next to the river where everybody else fucking lives. God damn. And at one point, because that's the thing, because we're not talking about this at all in order. It's, it's fine. Because at one point in the backstory dump, Penny's, they talk about how Penny went to war mm-hmm. for a little while, which, oh, so wait, was that the Civil yeah. War? Mm-hmm. That he was yeah, oh, I think, fuck. Um, yeah, he, he fought for the Confederacy. Oh, so he's like a Confederate for sure then. Oh, back. fuck. <laughs> so that's bad. <laughs> oh man i super didn't even put into okay so that's gonna up my racism rating just a little bit for this one (laughs) (laughs) and two brothers (laughs) remember one was good and one was kind disney world has explained to us that the civil war was okay (laughs) that there were good people on both sides oh Oh my my god God. no um (laughs) (sighs) we we really need to do a, a a podcast about racism and theme parks i really yeah guys um M came up with this idea late one night a few weeks ago we're good we're <laughs> just watch as soon as we can go out and about and feel safe doing so got a new project coming your way we got a new idea and once we can afford to buy cameras and learn how to edit videos <laughs> it's gonna be it's great good. uh anyway um, <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so anyway, he fought for the Confederacy, and apparently, and he left. I assume so. Like that was Florida, uh, right? I think. Like, wasn't Key West was like chill? They were okay, right? Isn't that the history? Hold on. Yo, I don't know. Uh, I know that I know that there was definitely like Confederate shenanigans going on in Florida, beca- Florida because I there is a book by Alyssa Cole, which is set in Florida during the mm. war, and there were definitely like pro Confederate yes. people there. I, Key West was occupied by the Union or had like a big force in the in Key West. The Union had a big force in Key West, so I think that's why. Mm. I, I, all this to but say they, is I've been to Key West. <laughs> they all talk shit about the Yankees a lot, so I feel like they're probably Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. Like, Grandma Hutto was like, those damn Yankees. This is the thing I was going to bring up, was that he went to war and left them with Grandma Hutto. I don't know what that relationship was. I'm so confused by all of that. They never explained it. It's just like, this is woman that Ori didn't care for because this woman had a dining room i guess i didn't really understand why t- the two women in this book had to hate each other but they did because all women hate each other women are so catty it's just mm-hmm. mm. <laughs> i don't know where should i go from here he left the mom and kid there yes for assuming like, like five years i don't know when he was called to war yeah yeah and that was like fine for them so like obviously they should just they could have just stayed there built another house or whatever instead of going back to the fucking swamp yeah because they keep calling it an island but it's in the fucking swamp right like that's yeah the i imagine it's like a sandbar is what i'm picturing yeah but like with more dirt on it i guess because they plant stuff i don't know man it did not sound glamorous it did not sound like somewhere where people would normally go to live and i think that's pointed out by characters in the book as well yes <laughs> anyway but penny decided to live there and dragged along drug along dragged along his wife mm-hmm. and she's putting up with all of it and she's the bad guy for not being like oh yay another mouth to feed another mouth to feed i so love living in this dirt patch <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of this book like we said, has to do with hunting and one of the big game that they're trying to catch is an old bear called Slewfoot. That keeps killing the animals, the precious animals they need on their farm to survive. I did look that up to make sure that in itself wasn't a slur, and I don't think it oh, is. Oh, thank God. I, I did good. not think to look that up before I said it. Because they use it in conjunction with a slur about, I believe, mm-hmm. enslaved people specifically, but they use a slur to describe them and to call them slewfoot. Um, so I was like, ooh, is that also a slur? But I think it just okay. means like you have a well, lip. Shit. I did not so. even think this, this whole uh book is like a minefield now i did not even (laughs) anyway there's a big bear (laughs) it's possible it might be like an ableist slur because of all of that but this book is also hella ableist in general so like Mm. yeah let's talk about fodder wing in a second (laughs) (sighs) i don't so they go they go to try and shoot this bear but penny's gun doesn't work and one of the dogs gets hurt real bad so they have to retreat um and none of this is none of this is the plot none of this, this, this matter, is it, oh this God. book none of the first half of this book was the plot it was all set up to the plot mm-hmm. and then the plot was nothing but like there was like an extra layer of nothing for 200 pages before the nothing that was the nothing we were supposed yes. to care about yes the only thing that like came back from this first part of the book was the fucking bear Right. That's it. Which, like, could have been explained in a sentence. Yes. It could have been, like... There was a bear we hunted. Oh, old 
Slewfoot the bear. Old big bear. Had, <laughs> old big bear who had terrorized our crops or who had terrorized our, our pigs for the last, you know, however many three years, years they've lived here. Done. Yeah. We didn't need to do that. We didn't need to do any of this. <laughs> and I know people might say that just young people love instant gratification, but no, this book this book is in desperate need of a trim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Almost 400 pages. <laughs> because Penny's gun doesn't work, he and Jody go to their nearest neighbors, the foresters, to trade this dog who didn't want to hunt the bear and was therefore useless to Penny for a new gun. And... Jody's mom thinks that the foresters are uncivilized and blackhearted, uh, but one of them, their youngest son, is Jody's BFF, Fodderwing, thus named because he tried to make wings out of leaves and shit and jumped off the barn thinking he could fly, and he got hurt very badly and was permanently uh paralyzed was he bad or he just he just couldn't no he was just he just broke some stuff but Mm -hmm. he was already a hunchback okay he already had like he probably had like multiple sclerosis or something yes was probably the situation i just (laughs) the way they referred to him yeah Mm. it was so okay so well you know what let's not get into it right now let's get into it when it becomes more relevant because i want to talk about fodder wing's fate in this book yes I want to talk about, though, too, this relationship between Jody and Fodderwing, because there are several times when Jody says, I craved Fodderwing. And I'm just like, yeah. what is... Also, how what old is Fodderwing supposed to be? How how old is Fodderwing? I would like, say, like, the same age or younger than Jody. Mm, the thing is, though, all of his brothers seem to be close in age and significantly older, That's and his true. parents are, like, hella old, so... Because they were, they do also talk a lot about how he is in some way developmentally disabled. So I assumed he was like a fully adult man, but I could be wrong about that. I don't know. I'm going to look it up and see if anyone has anything. No? Mm -mm. I know he's the youngest, but yeah, I don't know. I would imagine that like, the boys, because there's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's seven total. And none of them are married. Right. So, like, maybe very early 20s mm. to younger. I don't know. Honestly, the Forrester's whole setup really seemed to me like it was the setup of, like, any number of romance series. Like... <laughs> They're just, just waiting for a series of just, books to be named. The Forrester right. Brothers. Exactly. Just a bunch of dudes <laughs> living out in the forest who have to be tamed. And, like, I'm pretty sure I've read that series. <laughs> and the last one is about how Jody and Fodderwing grow up and end up together, right? Because they crave oh, yeah, each for other. Sure. <laughs> right, exactly. Just such a weird choice of words. And I don't know if that was common back then to say, like, you craved your friends, but... Except that would just be the novella because it's the queer book in the oh, series. Yeah, so yeah, it yeah. would just be the short one, you know? <laughs> Publish that on the sly. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I was saying yuck to that practice, not to the fact that it was a book about... <laughs> yes, boys. I understood. Okay. But thank you for clarifying. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. This book is a minefield. <laughs> Penny gets his gun and they leave the dog and... Also, well, okay, Penny gets his gun and leaves the dog and Jody to spend the night with his friends. Um, 
And the only thing really to take note of here is that for some reason, the foresters all wake up in the middle of the night and start getting naked and playing music. Well, they're already naked. I guess they sleep naked, but they start just like playing music and dancing in the middle of the night. The forest, the foresters seem like a good they time. They seem like they I know mean, how like, to party. <laughs> they, I 100%, if I was going to write a fan fiction of this book, I would 100%, we haven't got this part yet, but when Pa gets all laid up and Buck Forrester goes to help on the farm, yes. and Ma's like, mm, I don't like him and his big beard, they would end up fucking. Yes, 100%. yeah, Penny dies and... <laughs> <laughs> and Buck gets together And Buck with, is Jody's new dad. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they all get naked at midnight, play music and dance. Um... <laughs> bunch of nothing happens they go hunting jody gets a fever they see some cranes they have to farm it's like that's it there's like a whole fucking chapter about like look at these cranes flying it's so magical and it's like there's cranes on the cover of the book i'm like it was like one chapter and then never mentioned again cranes are not a thing in this book there was a lot of that in this book where there were several paragraphs of just like describing what animals are doing yes ugh and I mean, I guess again, if you were reading, if you were reading this in the '30s and didn't have television, that might be neat. But like, I've seen Planet Earth, y'all. Right. David Attenborough has already narrated these things to me. <laughs> there was, there's also a lot in this book where one of the characters, usually Penny, but sometimes another man, will explain what the nature of any given animal is. Like they'll be like, "Let me see if I can actually find some of them." A creature's got his living to make, and he makes it the best way he can. Same as us. Hits panther nature and wolf nature and bear nature to kill their meat. Or like... It's all's nature. I had me a coon when... To be clear, that's short for raccoon. When I were a youngin, <laughs> hit were gentle as a kitten for two yar. I'm reading this as it's this written. This is how sorry. it's written. I, it's... Then, one day, hit bit a chunk out in my shin. This one will grow up to bite. It's coon nature. Like, <laughs> there's just a lot of statements about what the nature of various animals is. Oh, like, yeah, we get it. <laughs> and some of it's wrong. Like, there's definitely, like, a time when they say, like, bears will just eat other bears. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they don't. <laughs> like, I don't think that's what happens. They can eat, like, berries. And fish. Yeah, like I think they're good. I think they they're chill. They can put on t-shirts and eat bowls of honey. It's fine. It's just, <laughs> it's just bare nature. It's bare nature. Cannibalism. <laughs> I don't think that's accurate. Oh my god, there was too much rumination on animals and what they did in this book for it to be even remotely good. And their nature. And their nature. But I guess, you guys, you, it was foreshadowing because, you know, the deer, it was just his nature. That's why they had to kill it. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the deer you've come to care about so much in this oh my synopsis God, he since we haven't deer. even gotten to it. He craved it. <laughs> they go into town once, and I only mention this because... Jody throws a potato at a girl because his dad was teasing him about having a crush on her. And I want to talk about the gross so stuff good. about Jody's views on ownership over women. As a 12-year-old boy, he is already that white male that we all avoid. <laughs> there aren't a lot of female characters in this book, but there are a lot of male characters talking about whether or not they have 
in their possession a female character. Yes. Yes. Most of whom remain unnamed, but like the only it's real fun. drama of this book besides the deer is over two two grown men f- supposedly fighting over a girl named Twink. <laughs> Which would not be a name for a, for a character, I think, today. <laughs> Everything in this book is a slur accidentally. Oh, my God. <sighs> well, some of them weren't accidentally. But, you know. Um, <laughs> Sorry, just, I'm just remembering now reading certain phrases and having that girl's name just be like, Anyway. And when he does finally get the deer and he's like, I want to name the deer Twinkletoes and call it Twink for short, but then I can't because that girl is named Twink. I'm like, you don't need to also name your deer Twink. Why did you want to do that? (laughs) Because this poor boy only knows five names. That's true. He's like trying to name it after all the dogs he knows. I know. So Jody may or may not like this girl that's beside the point like whether or not he's developing those kinds of feelings at all but there's a scene he he constantly talks about how he hates this girl because he's getting teased Mm -hmm. about liking her so he immediately starts hating her and throwing things at her like potatoes and then at the end of the book he sees her with another boy and he hates her because he said in the text he says he feels ownership over her so, I totally skipped that part. Oh my god! Yeah, they were dancing at Christmas or something, oh, and he I was he hated very into skim mode by Christmas. Oh my god! Yes, I. W- <laughs> but the, the she and another boy, the boy that drove the ferry, were dancing together, and Jody comments about how he hated both of them because he felt ownership over the poor girl. I was like, you were twelve. You also threw a potato at you her. Threw a so potato like- at her. She has the right to dance with other boys at that point. <laughs> But you know what? Jody does have a point. If he hadn't thrown the potato at her, he would be in the right. Yeah, you know? for sure. Once you, once you throw the potato, that's like giving that's up your ownership. But if you hadn't, <laughs> if you hadn't, then you're fully within your right to claim ownership over any woman that you see. Mm-hmm. Basically, every man owns owns every other woman in, until the potato is until tossed. a potato gets thrown. Th- that's, that's why like we you, play you that just... game, hot potato, as children. Exactly. <laughs> It's to release you from your bondage. <laughs> girls, girls, get you some potatoes. Play hot potato with as many boys as you can. It's the only way for you to gain freedom. <laughs> it's the only way to truly this be free. Is how we bust the patriarchy with their potatoes. <laughs> oh, I hate this book <sighs> so much. There's an old woman who lives in town named Grandma Hutto. We've talked about her before. We don't know whose grandma she is or what what kind of relationship she has, but she loves Jody and Penny to death and hates the other woman, Ori. And she definitely isn't their actual grandmother. Oh, yeah, no. That is made clear. She's not their grandmother, but I do feel like she's kind of in love with Penny. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> right? Yes. Like, what was going... Because both... Her and that other woman who doesn't matter but shows up at one point in the book that's like an ex of Penny's. Mm-hmm, yes. They're both like, like, we shouldn't have let you get away. Or like, some women, Ori, that bitch, she just doesn't understand what she's got. Like, Which, again, if this was like a romance novel that was about like, Penny and Ori, and then Penny did the thing that he does in this where he's like, oh, well, you like, they're like, 
I must have been crazy to let you get away. And he's like, well, my wife would tell you that she's crazy to not let me get away. Ha 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 ha. You know, like that would be cute if this was about their relationship and like it, something could happen from that, you know, mm-hmm. but it's just like this weird thing or like she was there to hear this and hear him stick up for her or something. But like the way it is, it's just he keeps going places and these women keep like desperately throwing themselves at him. Yes. And and it's just like awkward. <laughs> like it, To me, it was like because Penny is described as being so like scrawny and short mm-hmm. and and Ori is described as being so overweight all the time it's just like Mm -hmm. they had to get together because they were the two nobody wanted but now everyone realizes that like oh but looks aren't everything but why because it's like okay like penny's funny and entertaining but like he's also very poor you can also see how he lives in a swamp (laughs) (laughs) he can be a good man but he still isn't providing for his family in the best way he can I'm not saying that now in modern times, the first thing on a woman's mind when choosing a partner should be like, can they provide for me? Because women should be able to provide for themselves. But definitely in 1870, that should be like a big concern. Oh, yeah. Well, and here's the thing that pisses me off, I guess, that I just that just came to me is like they talk about how Penny is like the best hunter. He is like a plus hunter. Everywhere around, everyone goes to him for advice on how to do hunting. He could have made a really good living off of that if they live closer to town or water. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's even a line at some point where, like, when he buys the nice fabric for Ori for Christmas, Mm -hmm. and she's he says something like, don't think that the reason I don't get you nice things isn't because I don't care about you. Like, it's, like, really weirdly, like... Essentially, just like, like, I don't have money. I don't have money to, to get you nice things, so stop whining yeah. about it. <laughs> this will shut you up for a good decade or two. But, like, she never asked for nice things. Exactly. So it was so weird and passive-aggressive. And defensive. Like, Penny needs to chill. Well, and especially because of the shit he pulls, he buys her this nice fabric for her dress for Christmas, and then it's like, we're fucking canceling Christmas because I have to hunt for a bear. I have a bear. <laughs> There's a bear on the I have lease. a date with a bear and my ex-girlfriend. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, Grandma Hutto is important to the story because she has a son named Oliver, who has joined the Navy or something. He's Jody's other best friend, I guess probably because of the time they lived together for five years. But Oliver... Uh, he's definitely an adult he, man, Oh, yes. So. He's fully an adult in the <laughs> Navy. Um, he comes home on leave while Jody and Penny are visiting Grandma Hutto one day. And um, he talks to them a while, but he goes and pieces off to meet up with Twink. And the problem is, the meanest of the Forrester boys, Lem, has also laid claim to Twink. And I don't know if Twink knows this, but Lem does for sure know this. <laughs> <laughs> and he sees Oliver there with her, and so they get into a big fist fight where it's three Forester boys against Oliver. So Jody and his dad jump into the fight on Oliver's side, which causes some enmity between Jody's family and the Foresters. I will say, although I did go for go to bat for the Foresters a few minutes ago, mm-hmm. continuing a fight where you are now expected to punch a twelve-year-old boy, <laughs> maybe not great. Yeah, and the, oh my god. Yeah, the the foresters are like I felt a lot like Jody in this book. Like I I like them, I love them. Oh, I hate them. They're bad. They're awful. But mm, I kind of like them. <laughs> I'm Jody for them in this book. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, so this thing happens, and fast forward a little bit. 
and Jody's family pigs are all missing. And Penny's like, mm, them Forrester boys have hit our pigs, so we gotta go look for them. And while they're searching, Penny gets bit by a rattlesnake. Uh, and so Jody has to run to the Foresters to get help, and he's pretty sure that they're just gonna let his dad die, but they're like, oh, no, we'll help out, man. Rattlesnake bites suck. So they go to get a doctor, and one of the boys, Buck, stays with Jody's family to take care of their farm and shit while Penny's recovering, but... The more important thing that happens is that um, when Penny gets bit by a rattlesnake, he kills a deer to take its liver and presses it to the bite to try and draw some of the poison out. I don't know if that's a real thing or like an old wives' tale, but it worked, I guess. I feel like it can't possibly be a real thing. But isn't that what the liver does? Like, that's Yeah, when it's in your, your body and functioning, I don't think that you can Just use like it. Just like a dead liver? I don't think you can press it to wounds to <laughs> suck up no, it's poison. Like, it's like a, a, shoot, what are those called? Goats? A shamwow. A, a, a bezoir or whatever. A bezoir. A bezoir. Yeah, bourgeoisie. but that's, even that, which isn't a thing that actually works. <laughs> it's magic. You can't, it, I think you have to, the, the cure with that was that you have to eat it, right? Oh, I don't know. That's not what he's. So, I mean, like, it's like a, a antidote to poison. Yeah. Okay, okay. But that's not what's happening, I think. I mean, I'm not trained in, in really shit healing from, like, the 1400s. Mm. But I think in this case, the, he's, he's, like I said, it's a sham wow for poison. He's, he's doing that thing where, claiming. like, you put the raw meat on your eye when you get a black eye. <laughs> The liver grows a mouth and attaches to the wound. And just yeah, <laughs> even if even if we were like, okay, the liver filters out stuff. Yeah. Who knows what the liver filters out? No way to tell. <laughs> I don't want to Google it. It filters something. And maybe that thing could be poison. If you press venom. it to a wound, the only thing it's going to do would be filter out the poison in any blood that has already come out. Mm. It's not gonna. It's not gonna go inside gonna, your body and do that. It's not That's gonna weird. magnetize the poison. I don't think. I could be wrong. I think the liver. I think the liver misses being inside of a body, and so it like mm. tries. It's like a parasite that it tries, tries to get to its way in. back in. Yeah. That's horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> That's way worse than having poison in your body. I think this becomes having a horror a, movie now. <laughs> Having just a liver bit crawling around under your skin. Yeah, Attack of the Killer Livers. It's a classic. I don't like it. <laughs> uh, but the, the deer that Penny killed had a little baby deer. And Jody's like, ooh, that baby's going to go hungry without a mom. Can I please bring it home? Because you killed that mom to save your life. So we have to save this deer's life. Which I guess that's kind of fair. But at the point where it grows, you can like get rid of it. But no, Jody's going to keep this deer forever. I would find this more convincing of an argument from Jody mm-hmm. if we were not aware at this point that Jody's mother had told him multiple times that he was not allowed to bring animals to keep his pets. Oh, this was totally emotional manipulation here. Yes. His mother at her lowest point. Fodderwing's whole thing is that he has a bunch of pets that he keeps, and Jody's like, Man, I really wish I had pets like Fodderwing. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I can't ask mom again because she's just going to say no. So, like, definitely. He knows he should not have this deer, and he doesn't actually care about the karmic balance of the universe. No. He just wants a deer. He just saw the opportunity, and he took it. And his mother, at this point, is has been basically crying all night because she thinks her husband might die, and she's going to starve And she death. has to live on this shit dirt patch forever. And she has to live on the bad dirt patch. And, like, she's there with, like, 
Penny, the doctor, and Buck all being like, yeah, man, you got to keep, let the kid keep the deer. Yes. All these men ganging it's up on It's only fair. Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. I feel so bad for mom. God. Uh, Jody immediately craves this deer and he can't think of a name for it. So uh, Buck's like, Buck is living at the farm for a while to take care of it while Penny's recovering. Um, and he's just like constantly making comments like, well, you guys, I did not realize how poor you were. We wouldn't have stolen your pigs if we knew how poor you were. <laughs> we thought it was a good natured prank, not a hate we crime. We thought you had millions of pigs like we did. <laughs> so many pigs. Our farm just overflows with pigs. Uh, but You can of- barely walk out the door without hitting an oinker. <laughs> We're knee deep in pigs. It's a pig demic over here. <laughs> I turn to feed one of the pigs, and another pig is in my way. Like... <laughs> we have to feed pigs, other pigs, to make room for the pigs. <laughs> I trod on one of the pigs. It was very unpleasant and squishy. <laughs> <laughs> so, Buck has to go home after a while because little fodder wing is sick. Jody's like, I gotta visit that kid because he's gotta name my he's gotta name my deer because I am too unoriginal to think of a name myself. So some more time passes. I don't know, like a month. Who knows? He goes to visit. It turns out Fodderwing's dead. <laughs> he like Fodderwing. He like dies like, like five seconds before Jody shows to visit. <laughs> Jody's like, hey, Forrester family, and then like everyone's just sobbing. <laughs> everyone's sobbing, and they're also like, they. So there's two things with the death of Fodderwing that really bothered me. Number one was the fact that Jody's like, oh, I wanted Fodderwing to name my, my, I almost said pig. <laughs> everything's a pig. <laughs> everything becomes a pig once you set foot onto the Forester's Forester property land. It turns into pig. They actually are just very stupid and don't know what the name of different animals are. Let's <laughs> say they're very intelligent pigs. <laughs> um, no, I was going to say he wants Fodderwing to name the deer. And they sit like he's like, oh, I came over so Fodderwing could name my deer. And they're all like, don't worry, we told Fodderwing of your deer, and he came up with a name for him. And I'm like, why? <laughs> they didn't have like, anything get- else to talk to him about. They're like, just. I get thematically why this happened, but in terms of actual logistics, this kid has been on his deathbed for like a month now, and you all are like, hey, you got any deer names? It's your responsibility to name your best friend's deer. What is it? Flag. Perfect. Great name. Great deer name. Um, the other thing that bothers me is, again, this is incre- the, the whole death of Fodderwing is incredibly ableist and harkens to a another trope that fucking sucks which is the poor sickly young child who dies in order to make a point to everybody else about like the brevity of life and how the good die young and how wholesome and good he is for Mm -hmm. being disabled and such a cheery boy and like what the eulogy that that penny gives where he's like if i was god i wouldn't have made fodder wing broken and useless (laughs) useless <laughs> as he was <laughs> but but maybe god made up for it by also making him good with animals and now that he's dead he'll be in heaven where he won't be broken and useless yeah, and i'm so like the, well, this is the lord will straighten out his legs oh yes i'm like y'all okay 
Okay, I know different times, different times, but like this was gross. It was it was uncomfortable to read. And the, the thing that bothered me a lot about this death scene that wasn't at all an important thing to be bothered about, but they have they hold, I guess, a vigil over the dead body overnight and they let Jody take a watch and Jody like falls asleep at Fodderwing's bedside watching the dead body and someone comes in the middle of the night and places him on the same bed so that he can sleep comfortably. <laughs> like <laughs> maybe people were more comfortable with death back then, but hmm <laughs> that's not okay with me. <laughs> I will I will make note of that for if uh if ever if ever uh no, see, any joke I make about this is too dark. <laughs> <laughs> Just promise me you won't let this happen. That's all it needs to be said. <laughs> I think I can safely promise. Like, unless it's you, I guess. And then I have to get someone else to no. promise me. Oh, I thought you meant, <laughs> you meant unless it's me who dies and then you're okay with taking no, it No, no, no. <laughs> unless you're the one that's dead like, and then I have to find no. someone else to promise me that it won't let me happen in your deathbed. Okay. <laughs> I would also like that promise to exist. Cause... Thank you. Put it in your will right now, please. <laughs> okay, I'll work on it. No one shares my deathbed. <laughs> Solo deathbed only, please. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> uh, they bury the child and nothing else happens until Christmas. Um, A few days before Christmas, Slewfoot, the bear. Oh, God, no. A few days before Christmas, I don't think the big it's bear comes I think back. we're okay. <laughs> We just had that whole thing about fodder wing. I don't really want to call. <laughs> the big bear comes back and yeah, kills. Yeah, you're, you're right. <laughs> kills one of their calves. So Penny gets like ultra pissed and suddenly has tunnel vision, and all he wants to do is kill this fucking bear. He's like angry about it, and he's like, "Ori, pack up our bags. We're gonna be gone for days." And she's like, "But tomorrow's Christmas Eve." He's like, "Fuck Christmas Eve! I gotta kill a bear." <laughs> So she's like crying and sobbing as she's packing up their stuff for them to go out camping in the wild because she's going to miss Christmas now. He's like, go by yourself if you think you can make it. And then they leave. <laughs> well, because it's not even just like, if you think you can make it, it's like, they've already had this discussion about how difficult it's going to be for all three of them to go to town for Christmas mm-hmm. because they have to have, they have like something to take it. Right. They have to take care of the animals, whatever. And they like had it all planned out so they could be out away for a day. Mm-hmm. Right. But then he's like, no, fuck, I got to go camp in the woods with the bear and the kid. And it's like, <laughs> so what's she supposed to do then? Like she's supposed she to do what, the go chores to t- of three people by she herself. She has to do all the chores. And then she uh, can't really like go anywhere because the, the setup required that you be there you know exactly yes and she had that new dress she spent three days making as fast as she could so mean to her but they find the bear and kill it yay and they all go to christmas so it was all that drama for nothing like why why did we have to make ma cry like that why there was there's also a lot of in this book i can't remember if it was specifically with the bear but like there's a lot of Jody being sad about killing things, but then also really wanting to kill Relishing things. Relishing in it, yes. Yeah. Like, sometimes he'll be like, <laughs> Daddy, I'm so sad that I had to shoot the cat. And then other times he'll be like, I hope that bear fucking dies. I want him to <laughs> choke on my dick. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like 
playing, my dude. Yeah, he's very... He's very split-minded in this. I don't know. And at one point, he literally says something like, I wish nothing ever had to die. And it's like, two chapters ago, you were filled with an unholy bloodlust for Bear. I don't or know the chapter what we're doing. Like, where they killed every single wolf in the area. Yeah. They're like, oh, Except for that- this is the last wolf pack for miles around. Except for that <laughs> one wolf that got away and then came to play with their dogs. Oh God, that was so sad. And he's like, shall we shoot it, Pa? He's like, no, I wouldn't shoot anything right. like that. You need to, Jody, chill. Chill, Jody. <laughs> Jody. So they go to Christmas, and the foresters end up there, too. They kind of, like, ran into each other while they were bear hunting. Um, and Oliver is there with his new bride, Twink. And um, nothing is, like, stated explicitly, but what Jody assumes happens is that Lem Forrester gets real pissed off about Oliver stealing his girl right out from under his nose. And so he goes and burns down Grandma Hutto's home. So Grandma Hutto's like, well, that's that. I'm moving to Boston immediately with my son and daughter-in-law. Uh, and they literally just get on a boat and leave immediately. <laughs> it's like, I mean, she doesn't stay Christmas night. She's, she's just if like, your Bye. house is burned down, you don't have things to pack. That's so true. Like, no reason to stick around. They should just get on the next boat and go. You don't have anywhere to sleep. You gotta sleep on the boat. Like, <laughs> just, uh, So that's the end of Grandma Hutto and Oliver. A bunch more nothing happens. And Twink. And Twink, yes. Uh, a bunch more nothing happens. And then Flag starts to become too big and is eating all the crops. And Jody's parents are getting more and more pissed off about it. Especially <laughs> the mom, because she was like, I told you this was going to fucking happen. And also because at this point, Penny is laid up in bed with like, rheumatism i think yes rheumatism and what i i don't know if he just like sprained his dick or something while he was chopping wood but it was like dad <laughs> bent over and said he strained his groin i'm like what is that <laughs> i think there's other muscles down there mm. i think there's other things happening yeah. that you could sprain like in the gr- like because it's the whole the whole v right so there's like like right by your legs there's probably some muscles you could have fucked up i guess mm. Nah, I sprained his dick. I don't know. He sprained his dick. Probably his dick. <laughs> um, yeah, so mom is pissed because this deer keeps eating literally all of their crops that they plant. And Penny's just like, build a bigger wall, Jody. Just build a bigger wall. It'll go up so fast you won't even believe it. Just build the wall. And Jody does, but the deer is like, I'm a deer. And it jumps over the wall. <laughs> so, and also this is a wall built by a child. Built by a 12-year-old so, like, who has no experience in wall building. And so one day Jody's dad's like, you have to kill this deer or else we will starve to death. And Jody's like, no, I cannot bother. <laughs> so then his dad is like, son, let's have a man talk by ourselves in this room over here, far away from your mother. And while they're doing that, the mom tries to shoot the deer, but she does a very bad job of it. So the deer Okay, the mom just- tries to shoot the deer because the dad told her to yes, shoot the yes, deer. Yes, yes, yes. She didn't just go off like, on her own and be like, I'm killing this fucking deer during their yeah. start. Which... Would have been relatable if she had done that. I would have been looking for an opening probably if I were her. (laughs) Yeah. But, like, definitely there has been, like, this whole thing of, like, her complaining about the fact that, like, Pa always takes Jody's side, which is, like, an incredibly sad indictment on the way that women were treated. Yes. And the fact that, like, the son in the house has more say over what's happening in the house than the mother of the house. Mm -hmm. Who's doing a majority of the work. Who's doing the majority of the work and supposedly the is in charge of the domestic sphere, but whatever. Um, 
they keep pa and ma keep having discussions and then like pa will be like it's okay jody ma's ma's gonna let you keep the deer ma doesn't have any say over this this is all you who's making these decisions yes you basically yelled at your wife in order for her to accept this deer and also like what can she do about the deer kill it but she's not good at that and she says that specifically because after she shoots the deer and injures it and everybody comes out She's like crying and is like, I told you guys, I told you I couldn't do this because I'm not able to shoot a gun because that's not my job. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I was not trained in the art of shooting. (laughs) She does a really, she does a really bad job of it and she just hurts the deer. And Jody takes this as a personal betrayal of his father. Like, I guess he doesn't care because he knew his mom was always against him and hates his mom, whatever. But he, he was like, I can't believe you've done betrayed me, pa. I hate you. And he goes and he kills his deer and then he runs away from home. Mercy kills the deer. Yes, Mercy kills it. Uh, and he runs away and with the plan of going to Boston to live with Grandma Hutto and Oliver and Twink. Uh, but he doesn't make it very far and he almost starves to death. I don't even know how long he was gone. To me, in the text, it felt like an like an hour. He was gone for yeah. an hour or just one night. Uh, but he acted like he was like a man who had not had food for weeks. He was just like overcome with his hunger. I was giving him the benefit of the doubt and thinking it was about two days. Yeah. Well, the way the da- the uh, Penny was reacting, like they thought he already was dead. The way that they when he came home, he was like, "We thought we'd never see you again." To be fair, if I lived in the middle of a swamp full of alligators and bears That's and true. my child left after an hour, I probably would assume they were dead. That is true. <laughs> an alligator, I don't know. <laughs> but he ends up going home and Penny's like, do you understand now, son? And Jody's like, I am a man grown now, father. The end. <laughs> this is terrible. This is one of the worst books I've ever read in my life. Or skimmed in my life. <laughs> I also want to talk about how it relates to this unit because I I think this might be the most egregious example of the thing I was complaining about where it's very much centering the human and not caring about the pain of the animal. Yeah. Because usually, at least in these type of books, what you'll get is like a lot of bonding scenes with the animal, right? Like that'll be the focus of what's going on, mm-hmm. right? But like there wasn't any of that in this book. Like all like we we heard about how much Jody loved Flag and was obsessed with Flag and yearned for Flag or whatever. Craved but, like him. craved Flag, right? <laughs> but it was all like told, not shown, right? Like we didn't get scenes of them like frolicking in the fields. It was like Pa would be like, "Oh well, Jody's back from frolicking in the fields with Flag." <laughs> like we would be told about these great adventures they went on off screen. Like there was a part where they're like, "Oh yes, we've heard you talking to Flag in the barn. Like he can answer." Instead of having a scene where Jody's like, "Oh Flag, my best friend, I I'm so sad about Fodderwing." You know, yeah. like there was none of that, There's which would have like also been insufferable. Where they show him talking to the to the deer, and he's basically like, "This is what a bear smells like. Run from bears. This is." is what a uh, bobcat smells like. Run from bobcats or whatever they're called in Florida. I don't know. There, I didn't care about this deer. No. I was. I wanted it to die just as much as Ori did. I was like, just kill, <laughs> just kill the deer. I was pretty anti-deer. I don't know if I wanted it to die, but I definitely didn't think it should be a pet that this child had. It was very much like a good example of what I'm talking about with like the... 
the fact that the only reason that we as the audience care about the deer is because Jody cares about the deer. Assuming that the audience cares about the deer, which I did not. But that's the only reason you're supposed to care is because Jody cares. So it's like, it's just this gross commodification of animal suffering for humans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not even good humans. <laughs> yeah, Jody sucks. <laughs> Well, and the thing about the end of this book that was, let me see if I can look up what exactly um, is said. In the beginning of his sleep, he cried out, Flag! (laughs) It was not his own voice that called. It was a boy's voice. Somewhere beyond the sinkhole, past the magnolia, under the live oaks, a boy and a yearling ran side by side and were gone forever. (laughs) Barf. (laughs) i was thinking more there's this line where penny is basically like you're old enough now you can choose what life you want you could do anything you wanted but but you should stay here and stay on this land and farm it forever please and jody's like all right (laughs) where was the growth (laughs) i jody was barely a character honestly no Jody, Jody had about as much per- no, he had less personality than that deer. <laughs> and the thing is, like, I actually like as much as I complain about Penny, I like was interested in Penny as a character. He had right? some good yarns. He had some good yarns, and he had like, like I was interested in why he was so invested in this land instead of going and doing something different, and like I was in interested in the relationship between the two parents and like having to go through like the death of these children Mm -hmm. and like having this one child left and whatever like that stuff was interesting but that wasn't the focus of the book it was jody and his dumb bullshit so like (laughs) the foresters dumb bullshit the foresters were wild i want i want a book from the foresters point of view I want a romance series about the foresters. Except Lem. He doesn't he doesn't need to have yeah. a happy No, he'd be like the fifth one in the series who's been like the problem brother in the whole series, and then it's like, oh, but what you don't know about Lem is actually he has this very tragic past mm. and he's been at, you know, like and you all get he all needs that. is the love of a good woman to set him straight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And everybody would love it. Ugh. Eat that shit up. Ugh. Anyway, speaking of romance novels, <laughs> what have you been reading? Oh, currently reading, I'm just started, like literally right before we were recording this, I'm a few pages into The Poppy War by R.F. Kwang. Quang. Oh yeah, that's I'm been so on sorry. my TBR for a while. Yes, um, I have also had it on my TBR for a while. It's like a grimdark fantasy um, that is based more on instead of your regular like medieval european sort of fantasy it's based off of uh mid 20th century china mm. and i don't know it's just like it's one of those books i just started it but like you read a few pages and you're like oh i'm gonna fucking love this so i'm really excited <laughs> about that um also i haven't read it for a while but i would just like to throw out there that if you haven't had the opportunity to pick up between the world and me by Tanahasi coates uh it's very good book about a it's basically it's a it's a nonfiction autobiographical story about a um just Tanahasi Coates writing a letter <laughs> to his son about what it's like to be black in America. Mm. So very good. How about you? What are you reading? Um I was reading this week in preparation for this episode because I was trying to think of like other books that were 
kind of coming of age books, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's another coming of age trope that I actually usually don't really like because, again, it's not something that I relate to that much. But it's a popular coming of age thing to build a coming of age. I've said coming of age so many times in the last like. Are they? Are they? Are they about to come? They're of about an to age? come of age. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, but the one that perhaps has more relevance to children today, uh, going to prom and the prom season. Oh, virtual prom. Yeah, virtual prom. I meant today like as in these days, not specifically (laughs) the children, the seniors of this year, because sorry about that, guys. But I picked up this week, You Should See Me in a Crown by Leah Johnson, and I really liked it. It's Mm -hmm. about a teenager who loses or doesn't lose, but doesn't get the scholarship that she needs in order to um, attend this specific college that she wants to go to. But her school gives away a scholarship for the prom queen. So she decides Ah. to start campaigning for prom queen, even though she's not the typical prom queen material. Like she's kind of a nerd. She's also queer, but like isn't out about it yet. And a lot of shenanigans happen. And it's a little bit wish fulfillmenty in a way that I really liked okay. where I was like, really where it was good, like actually. stuff works out uh, like spoiler stuff works out in the end. And it was just nice. Like it was a nice, like I was really happy for this character that she got the stuff that she wanted, oh, you know, like yeah. all of the, like her relationships, all of her relationships with her friends, like there's a ton, ton of teen drama going on, but none of it's like, where you want to pull your hair out, right? Where it's, oh, good, it's like, good. okay, like I get, like yeah, it's <laughs> like I get why these characters are mad at each other and I re- like, I empathize with both of their points of view, even if one is like clearly more in the right, you yeah. know? Yeah. That was a really good one and that I think just came out earlier this month. So, you know, check that out if you, or if you have, I will say it, I, a lot of times on this podcast we say like, oh, you know, I'm not in the target age bracket for this and I think for sure I'm not like I definitely think I would have enjoyed it more if I had read it in high school mm-hmm. so but I still enjoyed it but if you have like a, a teen reader that in your life you know maybe suggest that yeah well you know it's it's summer and summer is all about those contemporary romances for me anyway mm-hmm. so that sounds like a perfect time that's almost summer whatever get off my back Michael I can already hear him saying it's not summer yet I think by the time this one comes out it might be summer because this is out two weeks oh from yeah, now, yeah yeah so Hello from the mm-hmm. past. Hello from from, <laughs> from spring, June eighth, <laughs> from almost summer. <laughs> oh oh man. gracious! But speaking of the past, let's look to the future because we're done with this. Gag, mate. <laughs> what are we reading next, Em? Oh, uh, okay. So next, we're reading another Animorphs book, which I didn't look up. So hold on a sec, because it's not dinosaurs. It is. Animorphs. I think it's I think one it's we actually- haven't even read yet because. I think it's actually one that I, yes, it's one that I have a hard copy of, I believe. The Departure, which I have the actual physical copy of. putting the days to bed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Departure by K.A. Applegate um, will be next week. The week after that, we're going to be heading back to Anna's royal regular romance. Royal and regular. unit um okay so we kicked off that unit with a book that doesn't follow our usual pattern because it's a book that anna actually likes and i'm gonna kind of continue that that um 
theme of not following our usual pattern okay, because okay. the book that I have picked out I've already done some of the research for that episode in terms of like the history of this trope, right? Uh-huh. And I don't think the historical, like the earlier instances or the best known instances really fit for a podcast, okay. right? Yeah, like so fairy tales. Is that what you're? Yes, yes. So what I want to do instead is read a book that I think I read as a kid. And if I'm remembering it correctly, justifies Anna's dislike of this trope. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. No, no. In terms of, like, it vindicates you oh, in the yes. book. Like, it's on your side. Um. So the book that I want to read is the novel Just Ella by Margaret Peterson Haddix. Oh, my gosh. I... Oh, did I read this book? I don't know. It sounds like something I would have read. I know the name of it, and I definitely know the author. It was definitely oh. a popular one when we were of the age that yeah, we would have read it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is a Cinderella retelling or continuation of sorts. And mm. I think it will, if I'm remembering it correctly, I think it will justify Anna's uh, uh, opinions on how these romances play mm. out. So that'll be the week after. Margaret Peterson Haddix grew up on a farm near Washington Courthouse, Ohio. Oh, wow. Local girl. (laughs) Um, Anyway, in the meantime, if you have... No, that's too sad. I don't want to hear about your dead animal stories. Um, You know, if you just want to reach out to us and say hi, send us pictures of your cute alive pets. Um, you can tweet at us at ShuffleWareCast or email us ShuffleWareCast at gmail.com. As always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. And we are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms. So if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those, you definitely should because we crave it. We crave you. <laughs> we crave you, <laughs> listeners. We crave our literary slummers. <laughs> If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd very much appreciate a five-star review. If you don't use Apple Podcasts, though, you can talk about us wherever you want on the internet. It's totally allowed. In the words of Marjorie Kinnon Rawlings, I just hate her. She made a face at me. She's ugly. Well, son, you can't go through life chunking things at all the ugly women you meet. life lessons you can only learn from a dad (laughs) indeed (laughs) oh i assumed that was like some song from some 90s group that you were really into i wish (laughs) i eat his pizza i got cheese on my fingers all the time. That seems like it could be like a, a Blink-182 song. It could song, be. Right? 